So if you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 12 and also 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2. I'm going to kind of be jumping back and forth. Uh, as always, I'll have it on the screen as we, we work through this tonight. But we're on week three uh, of this really eight-week series talking about being a work in progress and how each and every one of us are a work in progress, that none of us have arrived doesn't matter how much wisdom you have, how much skill you have, how much money you have, how much experience you have, or even uh, whatever the case would be for you, we are all a work in progress. That none of us can look in the mirror and say, I have arrived. You would say, I know someone who thinks that way, right? You, you know someone, but you look at yourself and hopefully you would say, man, I'm a work in progress. The first week we talked about anger. And how anger, our anger hopefully, is not something that holds us back and holds us down. But as the years go on, the days go on, we would learn how to have self-control over our anger. We talked about anger. The second week, we talked about commitment. And last week, we talked about how we are committed to God and how sometimes we fail. We fail our commitment to uh, other people, our relationships, to ourselves. And tonight, we are going to talk about this idea of uh, I, I am not strong. I am not strong. We're going to be talking about power is perfected in weakness and what that truly means. Uh, because as a man, it does not matter. doesn't matter. You have at one time or another, whether it is right now going on, it's in the past, or you're about to face a time where you would say this simple phrase, I just don't have the power, I don't have the strength, I don't have the wisdom, I don't have the ability to carry this situation for these people. I remember when I was younger, I used to think, I used to believe, once I get older, life will be a lot easier. I remember when I was in middle school, I thought, man, I can't wait till I get to high school. They just seem like they have so much freedom. And once I got to high school, what was it? I can't wait until I get out of high school. You can do whatever you want. And then I got in college, and I was like, man, I just can't wait till I'm done with college. I get married. I'll have all the freedom in the world, right? And then I got married, right? And then I thought that was, you know, a joke. So anyway, and then even, even now, you're laughing because it's true. Even now, I start to think, man, the next phase or the next stage of life will maybe be easier. It'll be less complex. It'll be, you know, whatever the case is, I, I over uh, fantasize about that because I think it will be easier. But then when I get there, right? So when I got married and then when we had our first child, and I, I assume as it will go on, I catch myself looking at my current situation and I'm like, how am I going to do this? I don't know how to do this. I've never done this. I, have no, I don't have the skills. I don't have the, the experience. I don't have the wisdom. God, I, I pray or I ask that you would help me. I find myself in a situation where I'm just not strong. I'm just not, I'm just not strong. And I think a lot of us find ourselves, whether it is in our work, our family, uh, and, and we find ourselves in this gap where we would say, where in my life, where in my life am I able to just put my guard down? I don't have to carry everything for everyone else. You feel like you have to be the strong one all the time. This picture I came across this past weekend, Andy, would you pull it up for me? Yeah, leave it to the boxer, MMA fighter. Nobody cares, work harder. Some of you would say, that's your life motto. You got a tattoo of that on your arm. Nobody cares. Work harder, right? And, and that's what you are, you are told and you are fed. And you might say, 
that's something that I, that I live by. I, it doesn't matter if I complain to anyone. What, what, you know, what good is that going to do? doesn't matter if I open up to anyone. What good is that going to do? Hey, nobody cares. Work harder. Nobody cares. Try harder. Nobody cares. Figure it out. And you start to believe that after a certain amount of time. And then you're left in this, in this weird situation in your life where you don't really feel that strong. But you can't tell anyone. You feel like you got to have it all together. You feel like maybe the last time you had a conversation where you put your guard down, you can't remember what it was like because you're just not used to it. we got to project a certain perception that, hey, I, I don't care what anyone thinks. I just work harder. I just, uh, I, I got to be strong. I got to be a certain person for someone else to where we can't take the moment and say, wait a minute, what would God's word have to say about strength? What would, what would God's word have to say about weakness? And, and still being a man who is in a culture that is strong in God's word, that is strong in his identity in Christ, but still walks with a weakness that God is able to use. This verse we've started with every, every single night, Philippians 1.6. Paul says, I am sure of this. I am confident. There's no, nothing unwavering about it that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. That you do not trust Christ as Savior, you don't get saved, and you don't get sucked up to heaven right when you ask Christ into your heart, right when you repent of your sin. You don't, don't get sucked up into heaven. That would be kind of cool. You imagine uh, in a church service, like, choo, 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 right after people raise their hand. But anyway, uh, that you don't just get sucked up to heaven, that God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you, that he wants you and I to be growing I was just at the table talking with John Wiseman, talking about being irritated about certain things. I said, I always think when I get older that I'll be less and less irritated as the years go on. And he said, eh, you can be old and really grumpy. There's a lot of old, grumpy, irritated men. I was like, well, what's the solution, John? Couldn't tell you. Uh, but anyway, that we would become more and more like Christ, that we would grow, that we would progress, that as we've said every week, you take two or three steps back, and you take one step forward. We all need to make progress, and you will rarely make progress alone. It's just, it's almost impossible. In Proverbs 18, 1, it says, whoever isolates himself, whoever pulls back by himself, breaks out against all sound judgment. It's just hard. You're not able to see certain things. You're not able to open up. And on this idea of powers perfected in weakness or finding our strength or our weakness in that I think this one at least for me is probably the most hard to apply because I just find myself wanting to project strength all the time like that I would just be a little bit smarter than I than I was a little bit stronger than I am a little bit doing more than I actually am just wanting to project because the the mentality that we maybe feel is hey nobody cares work harder Nope, nobody cares. Figure it out. Hey, other people have had uh, this situation before. They figured it out, so so should you. And tonight, I believe that God could have some speaking to, to us in our heart from the Bible in 2 Corinthians 12. And my first point tonight is my weakness is a gift. My weakness is a gift. And as I have these three points, I really just, t I'm, I'm kind of coming at it from my perspective. And hopefully you would find, you would say, hey, that, that's my situation as well. My weakness is a gift. And the Apostle Paul says this. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelation. Now, 
you are not the Apostle Paul, neither am I. I don't think I could, I could clean his shoes for a living. I don't think I could touch him. I'm not having these uh, revelations like he does. But anyway, he says, because God is using him pretty much, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited or what? Prideful or puffed up. That there is something in his life, in his life, that God has allowed Satan just to harass him, to bother him. I mean, just to, to annoy the mess out of him. And when it says harass, in Revelation 12, it talks about how Satan is the ultimate, ultimate accuser. He just will bring stuff up out of nowhere all the time and make you believe something about you just to prove how weak you really are. For some of us as men, it might have to do with simple things like Bible reading. You're just like, hey, I'm not a reader. I can't read, so I don't read the Bible. I, I, I embarrass myself. I don't know how to pronounce the words. You would believe, hey, I just can't read. I'm not a reader. And, and Satan would remind you, hey, yeah, you're, you're pretty dumb. You can't do that. Or for some of us, we'd say, hey, I just can't pray. I cannot pray. I can't pray. I don't know how to pray. That is a lie from Satan. You know how to pray. You want to know what a prayer is? God, I don't know how to pray. That's a prayer. You know how to pray. And Satan would like you to believe, hey, I can't read, I can't pray, I can't love my wife like this. I just, I can't. So or Paul is saying that God has allowed Satan just to harass him, to keep him from becoming to a point of, hey, I got it all together. It's saying his weakness, or his weakness, or my weakness, it's a gift. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. That's it. I feel like three is nothing. If you have a struggle in your life and you've asked God for help, I feel like three is just the weekly, daily schedule, right? Weekly, daily, hourly, whatever it is, you just say, God, why is this here? He says, three times I asked that it should leave me, but he said to you, and here's what we're talking about tonight, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness, goes on to say, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ then. I am content, content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, what's it say out loud? Then I am what? Strong, right? When I am weak, then I am strong. Pull up the, the picture of the thorn. Okay, we could talk about right, the, uh, what this looks like, and we could talk about how a thorn would hurt or a thorn will prick us, it will cause pain. And as you talk about a thorn, it's hard to really experience it, right? It's hard to think about what this actually means for us when we talk about a thorn. A thorn in Paul's life, they could speculate what it was or, or what God was allowing in his life to keep him from becoming prideful. But I think that there are things in your life and things in my life that you would be, it's maybe one of the things that you, only maybe one, one person really knows about it. And you're kind of embarrassed about it. You don't really like talking about it. You don't even like when, you know, when the pastor says it, you kind of swallow, oh, I don't even like thinking about it because it, it hurts. A thorn hurts you because it keeps you from becoming to the point of saying, hey, I'm, it, it makes you believe the reality of who you truly are in Christ. It's a gift. And the older you get, aren't you more and more reminded, reminded of your weaknesses in your flesh? Just become more aware. Just become more obvious of, 
man, in my weaknesses, I am strong. And this question I want you to consider. What has God allowed, what has God allowed to remind you of your weaknesses? What has God allowed? Has he allowed a, a situation in your life? Has he allowed an experience in your life? Has he allowed a person in your life to really remind you? Because for some of you, later on in life, there's a situation with maybe a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, and if it went public, you would be a little embarrassed about it. It just reminds you of your desperate sinfulness or sinful nature of saying, man, God has allowed this to remind me of my weaknesses. Without this in my life, without this in my life, I would probably act like I got it all together. Without this one situation in my life or this one mistake I made at this point in life, man, God brings this back up or Satan, he allows Satan to bring it back up and it just serves as a thorn for me. Thorns are never easy, they're never pretty, they're never uh, fun to talk about, but they are always necessary. It's always necessary. And for us to say, God, with this gift, with this gift you've given me, as a weakness, so that I would not boast in myself, that I can't pound my chest after I score a touchdown, I can't celebrate when I do something great, I have to look, and we'll talk about the, uh, the application here, I have to look and say, this is just the grace of God in my life. But only God, only God can get credit for this because I can't take any credit. Which leads me to my next point, number two, my weakness displays God's strength. My weakness displays God's strength. Um, the man who wrote uh, the, the book, Good to Great, it was Jim Collins. Uh, he was talking about a level five leader. It's a secular book, not a Christian guy, but tons of good biblical principles in there. He said the phrase uh, that a level five leader, someone who's a humble leader, they aspire, they aspire to be the dumbest person in the room. That they always have something to learn. That they would never come to the point where they would just say, I, I got it all figured out because our weakness or my weakness displays God's strength. It says this, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Verse 28, God chose what is low and despised in the world even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Here's why. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That my weakness or your weakness can and should display God's strength. That when someone looks at your life, someone looks at your life or someone looks at my life, after three years, after five years, hopefully they would say, that was God. Look at what God did in his life. Look at what God did in, the, in that marriage. It, was, it wasn't him. Did you know him ten years ago? Did you know him five years ago? What What happened? It was God working in my life. He says, not many of you were wise, not many of you were strong. You can't take the credit because what we would, what we would like to do, our desire is to impress. Our desire is to project the best and impress. 
So what I would like, and I was uh, telling someone this past week, they were asking um, out of, you know, wherever I would teach, they say, where's your favorite place to teach or where do you enjoy the most? I said, bar none, the men's study. I feel like I can just say what is on my mind. I can be myself. I can teach the Bible. I don't feel any need. I, I feel like most of the times it's like, hey, we're just in it together. We're just kind of struggling along. We're having conversation. I don't feel the need. But what I would like, right, my sinful nature, for you to be very, very impressed. Wow. How did he teach the Bible like that? Man, he's got to know the verses with the best of He knows a lot of verses. Man, how much can he do? Wow. Man, did he lead someone to the Lord again? Wow. Man, that was really impressive. That is what the sinful side of, of me would like to believe. But what's reality? What's reality? Um, I'm, a little, I'm a little too aggressive, like on a daily, almost conversation by conversation. I have to check myself. Am I coming off too strong right now? I'm a little too aggressive. Honesty here, and my wife was talking about this last night. I get discouraged quick and over very small things. Just discouraged. My wife said to me, out of all the things you could be discouraged about, why that? I said, I don't know. I'm just discouraged. It doesn't make sense. Why is it this one? This person has literally no influence over things you've done or who you are in Christ. And I said, it's just that one little thing. I get discouraged often and over very minor things. It just comes out of nowhere. And the reality is, I went to Mogador, not, not extremely high academic school. Then I went to Maplewood for a career center. I graduated with a 2.6 GPA from high school. Not very smart. I don't have much to offer, right? My only desire is, hey, I want to know the Bible and I want to yell about how awesome God is. That's about it. And I want to tell people. I can't, I can't project this certain version of me. I have to say, hey, my weakness displays God's strength because that is the type of people God can use. When we empty ourselves out, when my cup is full, of myself, when I am full of myself, when I'm smart, I got, I got a great work ethic, man, people should, should try to be more like me. When I'm full of myself, God's like, well, where am I going to get in there? How, how am I going to invade that space? So what do we have to do? We have to pour ourselves out, as Paul would say. That as a drink offering, he pours his life out so that, so that God can display his strength. So when someone looks at your life, Someone looks at my life, they don't say, wow, look at what Mike did. Wow, look at what he did. They would say, no, no, look at what God did. Because in our weakness, he is what? Strong. He is strong. And he can only prove his strength or show his strength when we are weak. You don't have to turn there, but it's in Jeremiah 9. It says this in verse 20, 23. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his strength. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But what? But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, righteousness, and justice. Let the one who is strong don't say, hey, I am strong. Let the one who has got a lot of money or mighty, don't let that person say, look at what I have to offer. Say, look at what God has done. And that has what God, God has been doing that since day one. I, I think I've said this a few times. He's been using boneheads like me and you all the time. That's just what he does. He takes people who don't know what to do, don't know how to do things, don't know what the situation's going to look like, but would say, God, would you, would you help me? 
Because the kind of man, the kind of man that God is able, able to use is the one who says this. God, I can't. I can't. I can't do this on my own. I can't carry this weight on my own, the shoulder on my back. I, I, can't, I can't carry this. I don't know how. I don't know how. I, I, can't, I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the strength. He, he uses men like Abraham, right? Abraham. He was pretty late to, to the game when it came to obedience. It was a while before Abraham got on the ship. He uses men like Moses. What a guy. I would love to do a study on Moses. Angry, insecure, impulsive. I mean, out of nowhere, and God just like, no, 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 that's the type of man I want to use. The one who doesn't know what to do, but he wants to do what I want him to do. He uses men like what? David. David. What was he doing before he, he started doing things for God? Couldn't even find him. Where is he? He's out in the field somewhere. Doing what? Sheep. He's somewhere. Oh, God, and, and that's, that's the guy that God wants, right? And last week we talked about Peter. God uses men, not who are perfect, not who have it all together, but men who are willing to say, hey, I want to be a work in progress. God, I want to move forward. I can't do this, but by your strength and by your might. It says in Philippians 2, um, 13 and, or 12 and 13, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not that, not that working it out saves you, but shows that there is life transformation. Work it out, prove it, show it. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God who works in you. So here's the, the question that, that I've been thinking about on this series as being a work in progress. Is God the primary person who sanctifies me, who completes me, who does a work in me, or is it me? Is it me or is it God? Don't answer too quick. Some of you want to say something really, ah. Uh, it, who, who's the one working? And how much, I, how much am I responsible for it, for being a work in progress? Is it, is it God or, or is it me? I, I think about 51% is probably God. <laughs> I think 49% is me. I think God is the one who's going to work in my heart, to will and to work for his good pleasure. I think God is the one who's going to complete it and do a work and, and change my heart and give me the desire for t to show up. You're here tonight, I believe, because you had the desire to show up and say, I want to be a work in progress. And then you have to say, hey, not just to hear it, not just to understand it, but I want to do something with it. I think it's 51% it's God, I think it's 49% us. And, and the last one, number three, is my weakness enables God's power, 1 Corinthians 2. Um, literally, almost, I would say 99% of the time before I teach or anywhere, I'll read this or meditate on this or think on this. He says this, when I came to you brothers, I did not come to you or did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And Paul is saying to this church at this time, he's saying, I'm not strong. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the words. I don't have the eloquence. And it truly enables God's power when we say that. If anyone had the authority to say, hey, I have the ability, 
I have the wisdom, I have the experience, I have the coaching, it would be the guy who is saying this right now. He's got all the credentials to say, I have some things to say to you and you need to listen. It would be be Paul who has the authority to say that, but he doesn't pull that card. He said, hey, I I need to to preach Christ and him crucified because that's the only thing that comes in power. If because of my communication, because of my skill or what I'm offering, if that is what you are trusting in, then then your faith will fail. But if it's in the power of God, if it's in the power of God in the gospel, your faith faith won't fail. It enables God's power. Being weak, being weak doesn't neglect the gift of God, but realizing all I have to offer is him and what he's given me. It's not neglecting the gifts, the talents, the abilities God has given you. It's not a false humility. Someone asking you a question, you're like, I I just don't know. Well, what would you do in this situation? You were a father at one time. I don't know. No, it's, it's sharing your experience. It's sharing your wisdom. It's not neglecting it, but... When it comes time to, to who gets the credit and to whom it is shown, it's not, it's not us. Some of you remember we talked about this in Ecclesiastes, right? We, didn't, we don't display or put ourselves on a plaque. We don't display and put ourselves on how great we are, but rather where God is. That all of the time, the money, the resources, the opportunities that were given me, I can't take credit for that. I have to say that was, that was God and him working in my life. I still share, but it enables his power. It enables someone to say, I want God to use me like he's worked in your life. It enables your grandchildren or your sons to say, I want God to work in my family like he did in yours, that there would not just be a a one-time trust in Christ, but it would be legacies would be changed, that it would be generations would be changed, that the next one would say, how did you do it? How did you stay faithful to your wife for 40, 50, 60, how did you do it? You would say, by God's grace, these are the things that I've done. These are, this is, I can't take credit for this. It was a daily decision. And there would be legacies changed. It would be generations that you wouldn't say, well, here's how smart I am. And if you don't do this, you're really dumb. You would say, no, no, this is what God has done through me and in me. It's in John 15. Jesus said this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When it says nothing, it doesn't mean literally nothing. You can do stuff without God, can't you? Yeah, you can. You can, you can make money without God. You can make relationships without God. You can, you can use your talents without God. But when it says nothing, it means nothing of eternal value. That's what it means. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That there's no, at the end of the run, at the end of the the list, there's nothing to offer besides what you have done, not what God has to offer, not what he he would want to do in us. So when someone hears my story, when someone hears what God has done in my life, what part do they remember? I've been challenged on this a few times, and I've thought in my head, when, when I'm done sharing with them, do they remember more about me, or do they remember more about Christ? They remember that, that I was the hero in the story or, or that God was the hero in the story. Who's the one that gets the credit? Because when God does, that enables tremendous, tremendous power. I'm going to break you guys off into your tables now. 
I'm going to give you uh, a little bit more time tonight. There are four questions. I'll give you a two-minute warning, and you guys can, can break off. Go ahead. Well, hopefully your time at the tables, you guys had some good discussion or some time for you guys to, and hopefully, hopefully as, as you work through these questions, you're able to think through, and, and as I was thinking about this past week, that hopefully, if it's not this place, but hopefully you have a place or a person where you are able to let your guard down so that you can be strengthened. Truly, that this is what the body of Christ is meant to be. It even says in James 5 that we would confess our sin to one another, that we may be healed. And sometimes being healed, whether that is spiritually or emotionally, that we would, uh, obviously what we want to do is go to the Lord, right? In Psalm 121, it says this, it says, I lift my eyes to the hills, for where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and earth. That our help truly comes from Christ. But because God knows us, that we are relational people, we, we need somebody to where we can put our guard down, expose our weaknesses, and be filled up with the strength of God. That often comes through another man, another mentor, another, you know, someone who you're able to open up with. And that's what we want this place to be, so that you would be strengthened that you would come here and be built up, right? We would often say, and Craig would say, that out there you get, you get beat up enough, right? You get told lies enough, but here you would be reminded of truth and be able to say, hey, I, I just need some prayer. I just need some help in my marriage, with my, with my kids, in my work situation. I, I just need some help. I need some, I need some prayer that the Lord would help me. And you have some accountability that you're not doing it alone because running a race alone is, is almost a guarantee you're, you're probably not going to finish well. You need someone to come alongside and hold you and help you. And don't believe, don't believe the lie that, that you need to do it alone and that you're the only one going through a specific situation. And this question I want us to consider as we close out tonight, is my life being poured out for the right person or the right purpose? And, and all of us are putting our energy towards things. And those things are probably not terribly wrong. Those things are probably good and could be God-honoring things. But what is the strength that I'm giving? Where is that strength coming from? And where is the power coming from that God, that God wants to be the source of that power and that strength? Who is the, the, the person or who is the purpose? Who is the re- what's the reason why I'm so exhausted what is the reason? Because I'm going to be tired either way. I might as well be tired for a godly thing or a godly reason. I might as well give my energy toward something for the glory of God so he can use my life. What is the person? Who are the people? And this is where I referenced earlier. Paul says in uh, 2 Timothy and Philippians, both twice, he says, I, he says, I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering. I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon your sacrificial offering of your faith that his life, he gives the analogy being poured out for someone else and something else, that I don't just live my life for me, because if I do, in the end, guess who I get? Me. If I pour my life out for Christ and for God, if I pour my life out for godly things, even if it's the same things I'm doing, but I'm going to say, God, I want to live a life with the strength that comes from you, that to admit in my weaknesses, I need the power of Christ. Who is the person and who is the purpose?
how I would like to end tonight. Uh, I showed a video two weeks ago. I want to show another baptism video to you, and, and here's the reason why. It's really a few reasons. The first one is because um, I, I just love hearing testimonies and stories of lives being changed. I mean, there's really nothing like it to me. It, it, it truly is, is a good reminder. It helps us remember our stories and where we've come from, but then also for some of you, if you've never made a decision for Christ. A lot of times you feel like it's, it's just a different language. What are they talking about? What, is, what does that mean? What does this mean? And, and it helps you categorize, here how, here's how someone accepts Christ, and here's someone who actually did that, that it's not just theoretical, that, that truly people are making decisions for Christ, I believe, every day. And sometimes we get a chance to see that. And lastly, um, I've said this before about a baptism service we have coming up Easter. And you do have some time to sign up. And, and I think there's some people in this room, you, you've, you've accepted Christ, but you've never made the first step of obedience in baptism. And showing that public de- declaration of your faith, as we would say, what you possess inwardly, you show outwardly. That's all that baptism is. And so this video is uh, Cameron Bryce. He's 21 years old. He just accepted Christ. He's been coming to the men's study the past couple weeks. And I figured, uh, what better way than just to show his story. So go ahead and, and check this out. Uh, my name is Cameron Bryce. Um, I just turned 21. I go to school at Kent State University studying criminal justice. And I want to become... A police officer. It was beginning of December. Um, I worked a night shift at Meyer over here in Brimfield, and um, I get a call over the intercom saying um, somebody needs fish. I was like, okay, cool. So I walk over there and I see, I didn't know them at the time, but I see Ethan and Ashley there standing there just looking at all these fish. I come over, I'm like, hey, I heard you guys need fish. What, what, what's the deal? Which ones do you want? This and that. And they wanted 20 goldfish. I was like, okay. And I told them this would be uh, the most exciting part of my night because after this, that's that's that. So I get them their fish. And then it, we're probably standing there for a good 30 minutes just talking, just getting to know them. We, we didn't really talk about the gospel or anything like that. Um, we're just talking about surface level type, type stuff. Um, and then two weeks later, they came back and they invited me to thrive. And here I am. Thrive really was my first like church going experience. My dad grew up strictly Catholic over in France, just nuns, the whole deal. Um, and uh, my mom, her her mother was um, Lutheran, so she sometimes went to church, you know, this and that. But at growing up, we never really, you know, strictly attended church. Uh, my parents are definitely all about um, you do what you want, you follow who you want and will support you. So going to Thrive really was my first, like, I wanted to, you know, figure out what this is all about. I think it was probably the second or third Wednesday I went, we, you were, um, you were um, preaching the sermon of the wander years and figuring out um, what your next step is and if you're in the darkness where it's going to lead you type, type of thing. So, um, I felt like God met me at that point because I was going through some pretty tough relationship choices at the time. What you were telling me was just, it just hit home. I mean, figuring out if I did this, where, where it would lead me, if I did that, where it would lead me. So following Christ, you, uh, you don't, he's not really a rung. He's not the first rung. He, you should treat him as the center. So um, that really kind of put things into perspective perspective for me because um, he 
should be the center. He shouldn't be first, second, third, you know, that type of thing. And my brother was home on uh, vacation, and I invited him to Thrive, and um, he decided to go. I was like, cool, um, you'll get to meet some awesome people. Hopefully, you'll get to meet Mike if he's not busy. But So he went, and he was going uh, through some pretty rough relationship um, stuff, too. And I knew about it, and it, I knew how it um, made him feel. So uh, <clears throat> I kind of prayed next to him and I like put my hand on him and then uh, the prayer you stated I followed along with it and then I, I accepted Christ at that point. To just really conceptualize and take in everything that Jesus has done for us and for me specifically at this point um, it it really felt like a comfort blanket to really fall back onto and really accept and acknowledge what it truly means to follow Christ and how it's a lifelong journey. I was baptized as a baby, but that's, you know, that's its own separate thing. But um, really coming to realize my faith in Christ, it's like you kind of mentioned, it's a symbol of that obedience. So, and I just, I just want everybody to know, really, I mean, just my parents, my friends, everybody's going to be there. Um, and, People will probably come to me and ask me, and I'll get to meet even more people and share my story. My name is Cameron Bryce, and I have trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And when it was the, the two weeks, at, or the week after I'd met with Cameron, and I had asked him, hey, you know, tell me your background, and tell me, you know, what you believe about God and, you know, Christ, and he had said, well, yeah, I accepted Christ. I said, when? He was like, well, it was last week during that service, and I was like, really? And I said, that's, that's amazing, and he said, yeah. I said, have you told anyone? He said, well, I'm not expecting anyone to really throw me a party or anything. I said, no, that's, that's exactly what we would like to do. That's exactly what we would like to do to celebrate life change, and truly, when And I believe when anyone accepts Christ, right, lives are changed. I mean, family members are impacted by that, but truly lives and legacies are changed. Think about your own story. Think about the legacy that you, or maybe it was your dad, or maybe your grandpa, lives and legacies are changed forever when a man decides to follow Christ and say, I'm going to lead my family and my wife or my kids in this way. We're going to seek to honor God. That God uses weak men, weak men who are strong in Christ and not in themselves. Would you guys stand as I pray for us tonight? Heavenly Father, I'm reminded of just so many stories in the Bible, so many references in the Bible, when the Apostle Paul just says, if I have to boast, if I have to, I'll boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. I'll boast in what God has done, that I don't have strength in myself, that I can't live a puffed up, conceited life. I can't live a life acting like I have it all together. But God, that some of us need to pray in a certain area in our life, whether it is for our family situation, in our work situation, or God, even, even they're just here tonight, that their simple prayer, their simple prayer is just, God, I can't. I just can't do it anymore. I just can't act like I have it all together. I can't act like I'm strong. I can't act like I'm, I have all these things to offer. But God, I just, I need you. I pray that you would help men here tonight pray that prayer of just crying out for strength. 
and Holy Spirit in a supernatural way like you always do, would you encourage hearts tonight? Would you give us strength to walk with you in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our families? Would you help us to be strong for Christ? Would we be real godly men that you've called us to be? And God, if there's anyone in here who has yet to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, God, we ask that you would prick their heart. Would you cut them to the heart where they would see the need that they have for Christ, that they are a sinner in need of a Savior, because that is where we all start. God, we thank you for tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.